I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, welcome back to Sweet, the ladies guide to bro culture. My name is Gina Bloom. And uh, we are here today with two uh, very funny ladies from the New York City comedy community. And we're going to talk about the film The Professional, The Professional uh, by director Luc Besson, starring uh, Jean Reno and a very young, very uncomfortably filmed Natalie Portman. Uh, my name is Gina Bloom. I am a transgender uh, American lady comic from New York City. And back before I came out, I watched uh, bro movies because that's what I was. I was a broy little bro. Um, and uh, now that it's been a few years I, since I've been out, I've been re-examining these things from my past, and I've been uh, dragging along some of my cisgender lady friends along for the journey to see um, the world through through men's eyes. Now today, we don't have any men in the room. We have uh, two women, and uh, first off is Caitlin Rupert. Hello. Yes, Caitlin is our uh, initiate into the professional, has not seen the film. And our designated apologist for the for the professional and also fellow New York City comedian Aaron Lynn O'Connor. Hello. Hi. How are you guys today? Good. good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Good. I I didn't know that was my title for the. Oh no, you are. You are. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did I not warn you issues, for that. But, Tricked but her. Yeah, I you. <laughs> you don't have to be a complete apologist. We. This sure. is our third episode, and no one has been an unenthusiastic endorsee of any of the films we've seen so sure. far. We watched Roadhouse and um, Fight Club. And those are both films that have their issues, as, as does our film today, I think. Um, so let's kick it off. I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, background on the film. Uh, I want to say The Professional is from sometime in the mid-90s, uh, like 96 or something like 98. that. 98. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, it's it's direct it's from director Luke Besson that is probably most famous for the Fifth Element, as well as being the producer of the Taken series. And if you watch all of these films, you'll see some very common threads uh, with the professional, uh, typically featuring um, men who don't communicate very well and young women with bob haircuts that don't wear many that don't wear many clothes and kill people. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, let's get things started. We're going to start with Caitlin. Caitlin, uh, give me some of your first impressions on this film. Well, I, I think I, I was kind of preemptively waiting for creepy stuff to go on just because I, I kind of... The reputation. Well, I also felt like the theme of when you told me to watch it for this, I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be something. Your weird. guard was up. Yeah, my guard was <laughs> yeah. up. And so when I first started watching, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. It sounds like it's kind of like a weird situation for this guy. And he's just kind of taking this girl in to like save her. And that seems kind of nice. But like about 
I don't know, maybe midway through when, when there were certain, like when she was like, I love you. And he wasn't like, you don't love me. Like, you know, he didn't really correct her or he didn't like, he didn't, I don't know. He didn't buy her new appropriate clothing. Like there was no transformation at all. And I was just kind of like, and like when she would touch herself in certain ways, I'd be like, Oh, I didn't check, but I was like, a man directed this. Like, <laughs> of course, like, you could yeah. tell, like, the, like I had a, I had a male friend. I said this to once, like we were watching a preview for some movie that he, he liked. And he was like, you've never seen this. And we're watching the preview. And I go, Oh, a man directed this. And he goes, you don't know that just by watching the preview. And I'm like, tell me, look it up. And he looks it up and he was like, a man directed this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, like as a woman, when you watch these things, you know that a man thought this was an appropriate thing to do or that like, you know, so that's kind of that, that kind of threaded throughout the movie where I kept going, oh yeah, that would be something a man would think would be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get to my thoughts in a second. Aaron, you, you, uh, when I put the casting notice up on on my Facebook, you you were one of among the uh, the few enthusiastic supporters of the film, and you have just rewatched it. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. So um, let's hear your first impressions now, having seen it again. Well, I think a big part of it, like the movie around the creepy age inappropriate crushing going on, is very good. Um, yeah. But I rem- I think around the time that I first saw it, I was like Natalie Portman's age. Oh my so goodness! For me, it was like wow. it was kind of I like got like not a fantasy because I don't want to sound that no. Odd, but you but but, but, but we're th- when you're 13 years old, like yeah, it's like, you're 13, was, like, dangerous yeah. and yeah. like cool and like she was gonna be a hitman and like there was just this like older French guy that she kind of had a crush on and so like at the time I was like this movie speaks to me yeah <laughs> but um. But I, I like over time, like watching it and everything, I, I came to realize like, yeah, OK, this is definitely fucking weird. Um, but it, he sort of tries to play Leon as having this like childlike wonder about him, like when he's watching Gene Kelly movies. And like, I felt like he tried to kind of pass it off as like, well, he just has bad social skills and he doesn't really he's not super appropriate. Like what kind of person just drinks like seven glasses of milk a day? Like you should be dead. So, um, I got the sense that they, he, he really did try to like depict it in a certain way where it was like this innocent love on her part. And like, she like brought like, cause I think he says in the end of the movie, as he's saying goodbye to her, like you brought life back into or love back into my life or something like that. Yeah. He's like trying to make her go. But it just doesn't. And now it just doesn't age well. It really doesn't. No, it does not. I, <laughs> it really doesn't. I, I remember seeing it and I was maybe a little older than you at the time, Aaron. And like I said, I, I was, you know, living my dude life uh, with my dude friends. And, uh, you know, we were well into like that culture of films at the time. Like Pulp Fiction had come out about four years prior and about every year or so there was some movie about a socially awkward hitman mm-hmm. that like somehow acquires the affection of a woman that wouldn't ordinarily give him the time of day. And not like that, there was a, it was like a whole subgenre of that sort of thing. These pulpy films where women with like Bob haircuts were, were falling in love with like doofy, violent men. So it was definitely like a thing in the culture um, at the time. And I remember when I saw it, like I was actually this is the thing, like, I was heavy into my film geek phase at this point. And um, by 1998, we had what begun to experience the Tarantino backlash, uh, those in the film geek community. Like, he had, he had, that sort of influence had been very strong for the past four years, and that um, we were already predisposed to hate the professional. And that's when I went in with the film. I was like, I'm going to hate this thing because it is so much like... Um, all these other films that were coming out. And I, I kind of the same thing happened with Boondock Saints and a bunch of other movies that I'll get to um, in the course of this podcast. So I didn't like The Professional when it came out. And I fucking hated Gary Oldman's character because I thought he was overacting. And I thought that there was like this whole like um, lack of character at the center with, with Jean Reno's character. And and I did empathize somewhat with, with Natalie Portman's character, but like, it was, it was like, she just belonged somewhere else. And I, and I, I had, I had little sisters. So it was like, I, 
I didn't want these middle-aged men <laughs> around these, yeah. like, around this little girl that's about the same age as my little sister was. And I was like, that, that was fucking gross. So now, now that I've seen it, I, my opinion's actually improved, which is a weird experience for me because I wasn't actually expecting to rewatch a movie and feel better about it. It's still fucking gross. It it's, is. It's the, the skeeviness at the central relationship cannot be avoided. And we're going to talk about that director because he is a problematic human being all by himself. Well, that's one of those things, too, where it's like, if you're cre- like, you almost try and make an excuse for it so you can watch the film. You go like, all right, well, yeah. I'll go with it. But the other thing is, if you're thinking about the development of it, he didn't need to make it so that you had to give it a pass. Like, so you had to be like, yeah. okay, I guess I'll watch it even despite this. He could have made the situation much it could have been a woman and a man living together as as assassins like i don't i don't know there there could have been some other aspect that made it less creepy but instead he decided to lean into the creepiness he decided to make it weird yeah he yeah. made she it weird even on purpose still have a crush on him but it be like leon be more like putting it off i don't i don't know like there it, it still could have been there but just not still played that way where there yeah. was like it almost does like kind yeah. of feel like an underscored love story. And I'm like, no, no it's not. And there are, not. there are movies where they kind of have that dichotomy between a young girl and an older man. And they, they, but they make it kind of like, there's a, oh, there's a movie like with Woody Allen. Movie. I was about to say, there, well, <laughs> like any Woody Allen there's movie. A, yeah. Oh shoot. I can't remember. It's like the high school girl and the teacher. And like, at some point I, I always thought the line was funny where she's like not handing in her homework and he goes to chastise her about it. And she goes, well, my dad just died. Or no, it was something about like, or no, he said, she said, my dad died. And he goes, how long ago? She goes, you're not supposed to ask that. And he goes, how long ago? And she says, five years ago. He goes, I give a one year. That's it. Now I don't care that your dad's dead. But like, he was very harsh. And like, it was kind of this weird back and forth between the two of them because she was such a loner. And I feel like you can have those relationships between young women and older men. And we're like, maybe there's a little bit like the girl might have a crush on him, but the way it was done in this movie was so in your face. It was so, and it's, fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's strange because that's around the age where I really started to feel sexualized by the outside world. Like around, like she's like yeah, 12. Yeah. She's like 12 or 13. So that yeah. wasn't surprising to me when I was watching it. Cause I was already starting to like, even younger than that like because yeah. I, I guess I was I was 10 when it came out so like that it's like around that time like that started to feel tr- it rang true wait when Let's did it come out it. again 98 98 I know because okay I know it was the end I of the was. 90s but I know because I was watching it again like, yeah yeah it said I, the date. I, I should so have I, taken made a note mental of that note myself of how old so I, I would yeah I would have been 13 because we're yeah. like the same age yeah so it was yeah. probably like I didn't watch it then though yeah and like I watched it like I didn't see it in movie theaters so it must have been like you know probably like two or three years after but so that part didn't feel too far off to me again it was just a matter of like how it was and maybe because it's like he was French or something that it was supposed to be like kind of okay and like like it just oh god it just leaves such a weird taste in my mouth she yeah. did come from a very she came like, from a, sexualized a very home. sexualized like sort of broken home but like, like it wasn't so much that that Natalie Portman's character was kind of like overly aged because those girls exist. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that the film encouraged it. And like, it right. was like this weird, like rom-com energy between the two of them. Like if only square fucking society could get over this guy banging a 12 year old, mm-hmm. then they could get together. And like, that's what it felt like the movie was trying to suggest in like its own like creepy way. Like they should be together, but they kind of can't. I might be wrong about no, that. This is just uh, just my personal reading of it. Like, I never picked up that there was anything sexually charged on his side. I don't know. Did you guys? Because I didn't. I thought he really, like, genuinely cared about it. Like, he I almost felt shot that, her in the I head felt in that, sleep at one point. Yeah. And I, then, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I felt that. I felt that it was definitely more pronounced on her side. But, like, he he didn't go to any great lengths to discourage it. and. True. And I, I was going to mention this in the um, in the restored version. They include a lot more creepiness. Oh no! Yeah. So there's a 15 minute uh, restored cut, and there's a scene um, where this actually exists in the in the film. And I was comparing them because um, I'm a nerd like that. And in the released R-rated version, Natalie Portman and as Jean Reno are are in bed 
talking, she gets out of bed, and that's it, and she walks away. In the restored version, she puts her clothes back on and then gets out of bed. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. So she was supposed to be naked in bed with him? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, is right, yeah. Oh, no. I, I had a choice to watch the extended version or not, and I was like, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's shot around her body because she's underage, but like... It, Still. Yeah, but she is definitely putting underwear back on in the restored oh, version. Oh, no. Well, that makes a big difference. That, yeah, that makes a that, huge like, difference, yeah. That, tanks my they were, the, theories, but... That was probably like somebody watched it and went... You can no, don't have that in there. Don't yes. put that in there. Like, yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm, right. sure, I'm sure we there can was go like, up to this part of the line, but now we're going over it. I'm sure like the one woman that worked in the film industry in 1998 was like, guys, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And then she retired when the sword version came out, and they're like, yeah, it's, just, it's art. Put it back in. Yeah, we want we want them to know that this guy's banging a 12 year old. Natalie like, Portman's old now. It's fine. It's, like, yeah, that's right. Oh God. That's right. She was in that. You know, all of those movie. guys too thought they were fucking dead on. They're like, see, we knew she was hot when she was 13. Yeah. Oh, how good are we? How God. good? Come on. Yeah. Like, how she good are we? Be, exactly. Like, so hot. Yeah. They did. It, it, I was kind of like laughing to myself because when I was watching it, my boyfriend has never seen the film. Like he, we started watching it, and he seemed pretty into it. And like he's, if a movie doesn't get going within the first like 10 or 15 minutes, he's not there. And so he liked it. And then all of a sudden, like, hit the creepy point. And he's like, this is getting fucking weird. Yeah. And like, he, like, even he, like, physically wanted to check out. And I was like, no, I mean, she's got a crush. But yeah, no, it's good. It's, yeah. it's weird now. Well, when they were doing the, the scene <laughs> where sorry. she's playing the game and they're, and they're like, she's dressing up yeah. and he's trying yeah. to guess the thing. And she's doing, they do show That's the exact a, moment when it gets weird. Like, it gets weird, yeah. but they do show him a little uncomfortable with it, which right. I was like, okay, well, good, I guess. But then I was like, Wait a minute, but is he uncomfortable because he likes it? Is that what yeah, it's supposed yeah. to mean? <clears throat> That's the, that was like the even in the even in the original version, the art cut, he's still like his it's ambivalent. Yeah. His feelings of where they're coming from. He's definitely uncomfortable, but like you also you also know that and this is what's really disturbing about this film, is that he's kind of a childlike character himself. Mm -hmm. He hasn't really socialized much. He doesn't even know how to fucking read, which is weird because he's been able to check into hotels his entire yeah. professional career. And like be a hitman and somehow learn how to fire weapons that have that have guides and instructions <laughs> and all this other stuff without ever learning how to read. You file off the serial numbers when you have guns like yeah, that. Like that's I, not I, he didn't I it. guess so. Um But no, he's childlike and like that's and like this director has he's has a history of making these childlike, overgrown male heroes that interact with women that are like Younger, but somehow older than they are. Because again, that gives it the pass. That gives it the like pass. They're trying to make it so yeah. everything they're right. doing that's weird is okay. But then, as somebody who watches in a society that has progressed at this point, you look at it and you go, "You didn't need to do it from that angle. You <laughs> yeah. chose yeah. to do it from that angle. And why did you choose to do it from that angle?" And I think that's what really, really skeeved me about like the tension between them is because they're emotionally about the same age. Like, right. She's advanced, and he's and he's not he's behind right and they feel like and they, that's why they feel like a match because well, that's why the movie makes them feel like a match i should say yeah. because they're emotionally like teenagers like he's well behind and she's maybe a few years ahead so mm -hmm. they they kind of come together in like this uncomfortable way that's that's how i felt about it that's that was that was where i was like that's where the ambivalence to like that attraction is like they definitely start playing it very early because like Pretty early on, like right after the first blow up scene, he's watching a um an old movie and he's looking at the screen like he's a child, yeah. like watching yeah. like just so amazed. And I was like, okay, here we're setting a, a precedent for him being a little stunted. And all right, I, I want to talk about um some key scenes and I'm gonna go around the table and I'll start with Caitlin as a as a new initiate to the to the film The Professional. Tell me about any scene. And I know we've really zeroed in on the relationship, but you can go outside of that or you can stay within that. A key scene that you feel is like important or that has been memorable or even tells you something about like the men that worship this film. And there are plenty of them that do. Um, I don't know necessarily the one that something that stuck out to me that I thought was supposed to be important, but like maybe they didn't do enough about it is the the um mirroring between the scene where 
he's being told by the boss guy, oh, I'm I'm your bank. I don't you don't need the money. I'm keeping the money. And it was sort of this again, I guess that would go back to the childlike thing where he was being controlled by a, a man who like essentially he was working for free because he didn't know how much money he had. There's no reason for this guy to actually be keeping his money for him. He could just be like playing this idiot for a fool. Yeah. But then he does the <clears throat> same thing to the little girl in the end. And so you kind of try, like, I think it's supposed to make it seem like they were so much more alike than, um, you know, than, than you as a, somebody watching it would think because, you know, Oh, and maybe that's also trying to justify again, the relationship between a 13 year old girl and a grown man. Cause neither of them knows how to do stuff. <laughs> Like have money, math, math. What? <laughs> and also, what is this? I know. Don't worry as, about those banks. I know, as like... a person who grew up in a broken home, there's no fucking way she would see that money in front of her, or like you know, essentially let that guy keep her money. She would have been like, "No, that's my goddamn money. Give me that money." Yep. I don't know. Very no, that's very important. That those scenes are really weird. Anything involving that character, I thought was just. Was this like a different film? Like it was like this weird like yeah. approximation that the accents were terrible. It was like this weird terrible. approximation of like of like movie mobsterism without like any attempt to make it feel real. It was like their quotations, mafia guys, and like that stuff was just I I don't know what they were thinking with that. Um. All right, but Aaron, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's strange, and it's funny because like, I, I even like took my little notes and everything. Um, that's a big question I love to ask people whenever I talk about this movie is like, do we trust Tony? Because yeah. Because he's also like this weird, it's like mafia-esque, but he seems like he just contracts killers. Like he doesn't, there's no other talk around it. He's just like the stereotypical guy who's got like a restaurant and he does his business out of it and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I always, the thing that struck me, I think the most this time watching it was that he did kind of resemble that like abusive partner in a relationship where he he's did. like, I oh, know yeah, it's good did. for you. Like he takes yeah. advantage of certain like naivetes. Even when he comes to him is like, I was thinking I could have some of my money. And he's like, what is it? A woman? Is it that? Which again, weird because it was a woman and mm -hmm. he didn't really say, it, it, ugh, but not a woman, a child. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, just the ways they seem to kind of be manipulating him away from things that he wanted to do with, with his own money. And then, like you said, he did it again to the kid yeah. at the end. So it was like, were we meant to then trust him? Cause he's like, I'm keeping your money safe. Or was it just another example of him being that like, cause he gave her a hundred bucks at the end of the day. You know, that guy's bucks, been pulling yeah. in, which is bullshit. Yeah. Five grand ahead. Right. Doing how much work? Like, come on. That's and like he gave, he gave, um, Leon like a thousand dollars earlier in the film he'd right. been like working for like however many years like 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 10 years or something like that just takes a grand out of his just pocket takes a grand out of his pocket and says here this will keep you around for a little while longer yeah that 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 I forgot that character even existed mm -hmm. until I saw it um yesterday Aaron you had mentioned that when you originally saw it, you were around the same age as Natalie Portman's character. That was really interesting. Like, can you can you give me some uh, more context on on that and like how you felt about it back then and how you how you interacted with it? Well, I think I I obviously knew that there was it was like inappropriate that she was into him, but it's like you know when you're 12, like there's still like there's older handsome men out there. And oh stuff. yeah. So like yeah. of course you like you just kind of identify with it, but. Um, I like, I grew up in, uh, on the Jersey shore, just like really suburban town and it was extremely boring. And so I had a lot of being like whisked away into like exciting fantasy life. I know the feeling. Yeah. Yes, so, I know the feeling. That's why I watch these movies too. Yeah. And, and so I think I very much identify with like one day her life was just turned upside down. Now all of a sudden she's <clears throat> learning to be a contract killer and all this stuff where I just thought she wasn't going to school. That was a big thing too. I hated school. So that yeah. I was like, Oh. Yeah, like yeah, fuck that place. Um, so that to me just seemed like, like this exciting escapism that I often found myself just daydreaming about while I was at school, just not paying attention to anything. So yes, um, that really struck <clears throat> with me. And she looked cool, man. Like she was so like 
self-assured and like assertive and she smoked cigarettes and cursed a bunch and didn't give yeah. a fuck. I was like, this is And she could like shoot rad. dudes off a building with like paint guns. And, she yeah. didn't even know there wasn't a bullet in there. She was yeah. ready to go. She was ready like, to rock. Ready to kill a dude at 12. At 12, yes. So, yeah. Uh, for me, I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Gary Oldman's character. So that we can get, so that we can have a little bit of a respite from the the, from the was, weird. Pe- that was the bad cop guy, right? That was the bad okay. cop guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Gary Oldman's character. Like, like I said earlier, when I first saw it, I fucking hated Gary Oldman's character, um, mostly because I got so inundated with like pulpy films that by the time ninety eight rolled around, I was I was over um, all of the stuff, and it was very much of its time because he's he's cop, but he's in the classical music and he's in psycho and he kills people and he wants his drugs and his money like right away. And if you don't quirky, he's quirky. Yeah. (laughs) He's just a bundle of quirks in search of a character. And and he's still that he's still just a bunch of nineties quirks that are all wrapped in a, in a cheap gray suit. But like, I have to say like watching it again, I just, I just smiled whenever fucking Gary Oldman would stare at someone because he was just, he would just like, he would just, I don't know. It's like he just said, fuck it to everything about this film. I'm going to be as, as over the top as I can possibly be in every scene that I'm in and completely shatter the reality of this world. Like it makes no sense that this guy even functions in this world, let alone is like, let alone is like some powerful criminal figure that is also somehow a policeman at the same time. He's so ridiculous that he would have, he would have been killed or fired years ago. But he still somehow manages to do it. Whatever. You just, I guess you just have to accept it. But like, I just, I just became so enamored of the idea that like Gary Oldman was just, and this is probably just me projecting, that he was just satirizing the film as he went along in, in the performance. I, I felt that he was going so over the top that he was calling attention to how stupid it was. I think so. He... Because there were some things that were extremely forced about the character where it's like he took these mystery pills and like tweaked out for a second. Yeah, and yeah. Like he was really into like Beethoven and Bach and Brahms and he's going on about it. Like, I, I'm sure that Gary Oldman probably sensed some of that and was just like, this is just horseshit and like just did it and just went nuts. Because there's definitely scenes where he's just overdoing it and being absurd. Yeah. But he did have those moments where you're saying like when he would just stare at somebody or like just like very like bone chilling moments throughout that I feel is Gary actually doing what Gary does. But right. I think like in the others, like when they're questioning him after the shooting and he's just like, I don't have time for this Mickey mouse bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's Gary speaking to us right now. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Gary telling us what he thinks of the script. Yeah, no, I, it's the way I felt. And like, I remember when this movie came out and like all the fanboys came around it. Basically they apologized for the skeeziness. They're like, yeah, it's weird. We get it. But Natalie Portman's kind of cute. Shh. Don't say we said that. <laughs> but mostly they were into the Gary Oldman character, into like the in, into the stuff that happened in only really a third of the film. Like that, I think that's where the film developed most of its reputation. It's just built around that character. The over the top villain. The, yeah. the over the top villain. Yeah. I think that one if if that performance wasn't in this film, no one would give a shit about this film. It would be like Yeah, probably. Because, like, this director has done so many films that are just like The Professional. He did a movie with Jet Li, almost exactly the same film. He did a, a, a series of films. Um, what you're like, saying is he's been given so many tries. He's been given so, so many, many chances, tries. So many women don't. Whatever. <laughs> cool. No big. Oh, no, no. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot about, um, about this director, Luc Besson. He, he has a history. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know this, but he certainly no, does. I do not. Um, we're going to talk a little bit I didn't even know until that. you said it at the beginning that the, his name or that it was a man. I just assumed throughout you the entire thing. You just assumed that it was. I and, was like, this is a man. And yeah. you assume correctly. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Luke Besson. He um, actually started dating, uh, what's her name? The actress from, yeah. yeah. Mila jo- 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 Jovovich. Yeah. When she was underage. And oh, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, there it is. His muse. His muse. Yeah. Oh. When she was like a 16 year old model and they started dating and they had a relationship. It went for a long time. And um, they have kids, right? They have kids. Yeah. yeah. They were like married and everything, they but it's married still... and had kids. He was... Of course they were married. When you, when you, when you catch them when they're young, they don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, he's in the, in, in, 
and it has come out since since Me Too that he has also been accused of multiple like harassment situations and multiple situations. Where that is very that. surprising. I would not. <laughs> he's just that. been super French about it. I know, like, right? Just, like it's mind blowing that he would. Well, there's be, also implications that he was like kind of abusive with. I mean, of course how young they got together, but just yeah. like he was also like abusive with Mila. Abusive with to Mila because she was very young and he was very controlling. And mm-hmm. he he did a lot to control her career and he did a lot to control her personally. And then he's been, you know, sort of famously uh known now for like trading sex for roles, trading sex for the, even the yeah. promise of roles and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard now to watch all of his films with these weird relationships to younger women. And it, it wasn't like we didn't know this. Like he married Mila Jovovich. She was, I mean, she's not an old, she's by far not old. No. She's like, yeah. I, I think, think he married her like the moment he could. Yeah. The very moment <laughs> that he could in under French law, he married her and they stayed married for years and had, and had kids. But like, so we had known it was like, it's like a Woody Allen situation. Like we had known this was an inappropriate relationship for probably 15 years at this point. But it only became like a problem. Well, it's funny too. Everything else became a problem. When people bring up that separate the art from the artist thing, like you have to separate the art from the artist, but for the most part, the art isn't separated from the artist. Mm. So when you, when you really delve into the, who it's coming from, that's when you realize, Oh no, this is, this is creepy. But also the person's creepy. And I mean, there are certain situations where maybe like it kind of there's there's a gray area that happens. Like with Louis C.K., I used to really like his stand up because I'd be like, oh, man, he really understands what yep. it's like to be a woman yeah. and have these guys creep on you. And so I was like, he's just like got that so well. And it's so funny. And then I realized when all that shit came out, I was like, oh, no, no, no. He's so in tune to it because he's that guy. <laughs> he's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, fuck this stand up. The stand up is terrible. It's like, one of those things where it's like it, you can't go back in time. Like it's just so different now. Yeah. Like once you know what you know, like I didn't know until a couple of years ago that uh, Luke Besson and Mila got together when she was underage. Yeah. And then like everything clicked then, in every, the yeah. place where like, it's oh. like there's always yeah. this kind of like fatherly teaching you the world character and like to these women who are also like still like deadly sexy kind of in charge like it, it's just well it's now also that like so weird uh, i just want to go back to something you said where like, yeah. um when people say separate the art from the artist yeah. and that has always pissed me off so much i think it's the most bullshit thing because art is like the most personal thing that you yeah. can make even if it's something that's just like you're completely removed from the source material yeah. like you're even if it's just a movie about hitmen but yeah, but as silly as a movie about Hitman. It's coming from like your creative epicenter, which is like rooted in who you are. Like that, like you can't just. It's just not a real thing. No, and it's just something you say just so that you can watch the professional. And, and if be you like, Look, if you do movie. separate the art from the artist, that just means that 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 artist was terrible. Like you know, yeah. you know how like sometimes standups. Uh, will like mostly men. I've never seen women do this, but men will make up entire stories. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew a guy, and he would talk about how, um, you know, he only dates this, you know, certain race, which wasn't true. And mm-hmm. he would just like literally make this thing up so he could do this joke that he yeah, wanted so to he do. Have a joke. Oh, yeah. so but I feel hacks. Like that's yeah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> exactly that's, hacks. That's yes. bad art. And like even yeah. my my roommate, he's uh he's kind of like newer in comedy, and he had he had asked me something about a certain joke and I was like, well, is it true? Had, have you actually done that? And he goes, no, no, I've never been to that place. But like, you know, I hear this. Th-. And I was like, no, 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 don't do a joke about it. And he yeah. goes, but I think it's funny. I was like, I don't care. Don't do a joke yeah. about it. It's not you. You should only do art that really does reflect you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the exact problem that I had. Like as much as I enjoyed Gary Oldman hamming it up, and some of the action, there really wasn't as much action as I remember this film. It was only like a couple of like little gunfights here the and middle, there. It just becomes it's the just weird. This, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like this, two different films. Two different films. In the center of it is this, is that film. Mm. But like, then I started thinking exactly what you were talking about, Caitlin. I started remembering the films that he produced, uh, not just the ones that he directed, but the films he produced, like Taken, the first Taken. If you look at everything around Liam Neeson's character, it's basically just a movie about exploiting teen teenage girls, mm-hmm. and in and it, it it kind of wants to have it both ways. Like it's like here's a bunch of like gross rich foreign men from like Albania or wherever 
And then here's a bunch of teenage girls in like their underwear in cages, which is literally were. They were literally in cages in this film. Auctioned off. Auctioned <laughs> off on a yacht at the oh end God. of the film. And I know that we're not supposed to be talking about this film right now, but it's, it's the same producer. And, um, and then Liam Neeson, you know, being the righteous force of justice that brings them all down. But what it feels like to me is if you look at, if you look at Le Femme Nikita, if you look at The Profession, you look at Taken, you look at uh, even like Fifth Element, which is like his big blockbuster. It seems like that he's making these movies just to do this. Like he's making these movies just to sort of have these big budget versions of his fantasies about about teenage women. Because that's that's what he does. That's like probably eight out of ten of his films. Yeah. Eighty percent of his films feature that relationship in one form or another where there's a youngish girl and an older man, and the, there's something about that relationship. That there. relationship is so old too. Um, just I, I was really, I am really into um, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And if you look into the background of the writer and and his relationship with the original character or person who, who it was a real person who inspired it, um, at that time I, I can't even remember when it was written, but it was obviously a very long time ago. Uh, there was this idea that it was appropriate for an older man to idolize a younger woman. And so he idolized this little girl and, and to the point where he would say he loved her. He would be very like, he yeah. would bestow gifts upon her. And at one point there's something that happens. I can't remember what the story is, but like uh, he accidentally like says it to her mother or something like that. Or he says it to a woman who is appropriate of age and he felt so embarrassed he's like oh i'm so so sorry i didn't mean i that was very inappropriate because because it was just so normal and it wasn't necessarily they would put it off as it wasn't that you're sexualizing the child just that that young girls are such a thing of beauty to be to be like put on a pedestal oh, the they and, see the world and, yeah. oh my god yeah world. and it's just it's yeah. just so it's weird because like it's, news it's and... almost putting down older like women who actually are grown-ups like to to have actual knowledge w and to be somebody who has actually at this point experienced the world was was has always throughout society been put down in women yeah. like like even even to the point where in these movies a young girl learning to kill because it's so morally terrible and, and just like how could a like a little girl doing it is so but if you had an older woman it wouldn't be the same thought they'd be like well yeah oh yeah after a while yeah, yeah. she's, had her, kill she's had her period <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course she wants to kill people but like, but like he made that movie though he made that movie first because la femme nikita That's was true. about she was like 21 yeah and i guess it wasn't gross enough for him so he wanted just, to dial he, it back he just really wanted to see how far he could take it yeah, well, yeah. and again too it's like when that's your perspective or like the relationships that interest you, then yeah, it's going to constantly be reflected in your art. And like, as you can see with Woody Allen stuff, but yeah, I don't know why it took people so long to catch on that. That was the theme in his movies all the time was that like older women were nags and just like, no, we're just onto your shit. Like, right. Just, no, right. Like, We've just been around. We don't need to hear your really bullshit. Immature and selfish. And then he's like, yeah. well, I'm going to go find some young girl who thinks I'm interesting. And it's just yeah. that yeah. whole thing of that, like that, like, freshness or whatever and it's like no she just doesn't know what's going on yet <laughs> i i have like uh just because i i i find it interesting how how men continually do this and so at some point i dated a guy who was 10 years younger than me because i was like i want to know what this whole like uh, i'm gonna date someone younger thing is and when i did i was like oh he doesn't know shit. Yeah. yeah. Like literally oh, yeah, yeah. knows nothing yep. and and like would would talk about cars constantly it was just a moron and i'm like <laughs> All right, I get it. Because he looks at me like I'm this worldly person. And yes. I'm so interesting, and I was like, "All right, I get why guys do this, but also, I don't need that. Yeah, like I don't need somebody to worship yeah. me and look at me like I'm." So the fact that these men it's... still have that in them is just insane to me. And and like I understand it, I do. Yeah, but having understand stood it, I feel like I can even more say it's fucking weird. All right, Aaron, I do want to um, return because I'm so fascinated by this, because I was not expecting the gift that you gave to this yeah. discussion. Having seen the film around the same age, tell us more about, now that, you, now that you've seen it again, now that you've mm -hmm. seen it as an adult, how, how does that, like, how does that color your perspective on that time period in your life? And, like, and like do you feel that you, you liked it because 
because of the weirdness of the relationship? I know you talked about like uh, that a little bit. But, yeah. Like, well, I did like, and you know, we can get super dark here, but I did experience like sexual abuse at a really young age. I was eight. And so there was definitely this point in my life where I was very confused by the concept. Yeah. To me, it's like, you know, I would hear like girls talk about like, you know, like falling in love and losing your virginity around rose petals and that sort of thing. And then I like, that wasn't my intro to that. And that's especially very young. So yeah. to me, there yeah. was like, there was like a warped sense around it. So the fact that there was like this weird dynamic going on, like this weird a- attraction in it, like didn't put me off nearly as much as it put off like a lot of other people. Yeah. I was I already. Can, yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was. Well, thanks. But it's. Yeah, I know. It it's, kind it's, of like. Yeah. And again, it wasn't as I've gotten older, I've seen the movie differently over different stages in my life. Right. So like when I was 23, I went out with a 42 year old and that like I was brand new to the city. He was like one of the first people I met and we went on a bunch of dates and I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. Like him and I didn't last very long, but because I caught on to the fact that he was like, fucking weird. I probably should have figured that out mm-hmm. earlier when he was 20, asking a 23 year old. He was 42. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but he said something at one point. We went to go see um, the Avengers, and he was like, oh, Scarlett Johansson isn't aging well. She's like a year older than me, or oh, like two ridiculous. years older than me. And I was just like, are you insane? That like, is ridiculous. Yeah, and he's like, I don't like going out with women who are over 30 because everything is like a ticking clock and dates feel like interviews. And I'm like, no, it just sounds like they they feel like they know what they want, and you're just wasting their time. And um. So I, I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked, but it's just a matter of like over time, just seeing the dynamics of relationships between like men and women. And then also sometimes like how we can get sexualized so early yeah, on, yeah. so, so early on. Like that's and it's something that gets instilled in you a little bit where it's like, you know, the second you got to go get a bra. It's like, well, then you start getting all these conversations, which is natural. But even just like. I don't know, just guys in the neighborhood and like just starting to treat you differently. And then you become aware that the world is dangerous. And then that's when it like opens up to a whole different thing. So, and I've seen that I've had that experience just only in the past couple of years that I've found that the world is dangerous to me. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's not really the same thing, but it's very Mm -hmm. similar in that, you know, once I started wearing these out, yeah. Then the world became dangerous. Yeah. It, It does in a different way. And I think that that's, probably why when I was younger watching this movie just kind of being like yeah sex and danger hand in hand and especially and like being that young like it felt like that makes sense yes yeah it (laughs) made sense to me and so that's why it like became more surprising over time that I watch it and going back to like watching it just now being like oh right like fuck this is like so much weird and like you know post me too and all that it's just like it will not age when she says I think I'm in love with you and you like chokes on the milk or whatever like she's talking about it and of course she has to like touch her stomach i'm like can we not zoom in that's when i was like our little tummy that was like, the, the moment when i was yeah. like that's a man that's a man telling that's, her a, that's, man. A, man. that's a man <laughs> that's directing. A man doing that. yeah um but he does even like say something to her where it's like something along the lines of like how do you know what love is or like what you're feeling and she's like i used to have a knot in my stomach and now it's gone and he's just like well i'm glad your stomach ache is gone and I'm like there's like I remember I used to laugh at that line and like yeah. now I don't laugh because I'm like, you did not draw enough of a line. Yeah. There's not enough of a line. Like, yeah. Because like, it's like her bare stomach and she's touching just, it. Yeah. And the camera's like right in there and it's like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's the point where my boyfriend was like, um, this is fucking weird. It's <laughs> like, yeah, like, like look, in order for it to be hot, there should be at least a little bit of a happy trail. She should be old <laughs> enough to yeah. have like, yeah. like, like where's the curve like, in the this hip, is no, Yeah. She's so tiny. I know. It's, and it's hard because the other thing that kills me about it, too, is that I feel like there could have been something really beautiful that they spun about that relationship. Like there is like the root of that there where it's like he was very isolated and did not read and all this stuff. And then he learned how to like like he taught her the skill is questionable and like what he taught her. But, yeah. you know, like um, just he learned to care for someone else in a way that maybe he'd like shut himself off from for a very long time. But it could have been again played a little more like paternal yeah. or something. It just it could, it could have been easily. played any other way. There's a and, lot like, of ways. Yeah. Like you just learn to love the world. Like if you saw the movie Logan. Like just that. Like it's it's 
there's other ways to do it. They could have had, they could have a scene where he's making her brush her teeth. Like there could have been something where it's just like more fatherly and less, you know, sex partner at some point. Logan's actually a really good counterexample for this type of material. That's not done skeezy. Cause there's, there's no question that, that Logan has a, has a paternal relationship with, with the, with the little Wolverine girl. Mm. And, and that there's no question about that. And like, you feel, and it feels stronger, the choice feels stronger because like that need to protect her is a lot, is a lot more logical Mm -hmm. as opposed to like this weird romantic relationship that he shouldn't even be there for us. Like, why is he even protecting her? He should just put her in like social services and get the hell out of there. Yeah. I think again, too, where it's like, he's definitely someone who's under the radar and not, yeah. Again, like it wasn't that he wasn't bright, but that like he didn't think in terms of like, oh, you go to social services now and like you did that. Like that wasn't his world. Yeah. But still, yeah. it's like, but like that, now he was like, oh, I guess I'm just still, like one second he was going to like shoot her in the head in her sleep. And then he's like, well, I guess I got to take care well, of I her. I guess now. I own her now. now yeah. I own her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We do need to start wrapping it up. Uh, Caitlin, uh, you are, you were the person that came to this film without much context and now that you've seen it we've shared a lot of opinions on it and and its filmmaker uh give us your final thoughts uh i think as with most 80s movies my thought is uh the idea behind it not bad the execution super bad (laughs) (laughs) yep could redo it and maybe like less creepy Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and Aaron, I I feel bad because I, I feel like that we have we have like stomped on on your love of the professional because you were so excited when you volunteered to do this. It's okay. Okay. It's, it's okay to love like a, a fucked up weird movie. Yeah. I think that's yeah. okay. Um again, because like over time the movie has become something different to me every time I've watched it pretty much. I still stand behind that it's like it is a beautifully shot film. There's it is. a lot of really cool there's, stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like good technical stuff going on in the yeah. in the way this film is choreographed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that where the movie gets problematic is where it sparks like the interesting conversations like we've had right now. Yeah. I'm not saying not giving him a pass or anything, but I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. you we're able to look at that now through a lens where we're just like yeah and like maybe we'll do better next time but i would hope i hope we would i would like to see i would like to see a, a movie where like a, a woman does one of these hitman movies where like they, they're protecting someone young yeah. i'd like to see like a female version of that perspective it probably wouldn't even be a hitman movie because I, I think i think most women probably would assume that hitman movies are just a silly concept to make yeah it would be interesting to see a woman remake this film yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be a movie. Then that movie would I probably be amazing. I think that's true. We need more. We need more women in film in general. Just, we just, we absolutely. They do. wouldn't. Have, yeah. They wouldn't have let this happen. No. <laughs> they would not. They, they would, would not. be like Natalie. We're calling your mom. Yeah. Like, Natalie, <laughs> here's a blanket. <laughs> we are going to rewrite this scene right now. This is not happening this way. Um, it's interesting to, to watch this in in the wake of Me Too and in 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 like the era of the Trump administration where like where uh, misogyny and like sexualization of, of women in the culture has been such a hot point because it just felt like noise mm. back in 98. It felt like, it felt like stuff that was getting in the way of the action to me when I watched it. And, and now it's like this, um, this movie is like weirdly prescient and still highly problematic. And what I wanted to talk about as we wrap up um, about 10 years ago, I, I wrote a movie and it almost got made. Um, and it was almost the exact same film, actually. It was, and mind you, I was living as, as, a, as a male and I was not um, comfortable with the idea of transitioning. So I was, have, I was sort of blowing out the last of my masculinity in, the, in this film. And I remember writing with my writing partner, also a man, surprise, um, trying to figure out what age we wanted the, the young girl to be, because it was basically the same thing. Uh, it was like an older killer and a, and a younger girl that was basically driving him. It was like basically the professional meets collateral. Like mm-hmm. he had a driver that drove him to, to kills, and, but she was like at least 16 and, and they drove around LA killing people. And I remember, I remember writing that movie as I watched this and I'm thinking like, I could not imagine how I looked to the women I was passing this screenplay to. (laughs) 
having hindsight, hindsight. Yeah. yeah. Having written this and it wasn't anywhere near as skeezy. They did not like, there was a clear line of like whether or not they were, they were sexual and they were not. And we had a long discussion about that. And I was very much like, no, I don't want that in my film. But there was a lot of other stuff that was going on that was pretty problematic. I actually lost custody of the film when, when our, when our film um, company broke up, I, I gave away the trademark, but the copyright to this film. So I do not own it whatsoever. And, and it's never been made. So I don't think it will ever see the light of day. But, um, but they took my name off it oh. as part of the legal agreement um, because the, the company sort of went under and I was the one decided to be the most at fault because I was president of the company. And I was like, fine, you can have it. I don't care. This movie sucks anyway. Is it like a relief now? It is. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the thing, though. Like, that's oh, the thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, I had felt like a little bit of loss because we almost made it. We had a cast. We were in Variety. Oh, wow. Uh, we had raised about $300,000. And then um, and then because I, I was who I was at the time, I squandered the movie on drugs. Uh, the movie's money on drugs and hookers and and stuff that I should not have been doing because I was living a very different life than what I had right now. You have a complicated story, lady. I have a complicated life. Yes, I, I am my own um, worst enemy. I guess you could say because I mean that, that's a whole thing. We we we've we've already gone an hour, so I can't really talk <laughs> about what possessed me to live the way I did. But um, but man, what a fucking relief! And I could have been um part of the problem never thought i'd say this but thank god for hookers and blow thank god for like, hookers and blow yeah yeah what a, this is solid there what a weird what a weird little thing and that was like god is a woman and she saw you joining us yeah and yeah. i was like no 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 no, no like, you'll be on you'll be in our ranks at some yeah, point we can't like, let you do this yeah just, just give us some time happen, just give sorry. us some time just give, right just like all right you guys thank you so much uh i just want to uh, ask everybody how uh, the audience can find them. Aaron, uh, let us know what you're, what you're going to be up to. Uh, I host a monthly show at QED called Dream Team Variety Hour. Oh, with wonderful. My very good buddy, Katie Regal. It's first Sunday of every month at 7 p.m. in QED in Astoria. Oh, and I'm at Aaron O'Face. I should probably. Yes, at Aaron well. O'Face. So. Uh, yeah. And, uh, as always, I'm Gina Bloom. You can find me, uh, on Instagram at Gina Bloom and on Twitter at Hey Gina Bloom. And you can listen to this podcast, Sweet, the ladies guide to bro culture. Uh, you guys, thank you so much. Um, this has been a really interesting episode. I, I, um, quite a journey we've had with these <laughs> two. Um, I, I just want to leave you with the thought that Aaron gave us, uh, when, when you're a young girl and, and you put on that bra for the first time, it is a dangerous world. It took me, took me a long time to get to that point. I was much older than either of these two women uh, when I learned that lesson, but I certainly did. Um, it's, not, it's not just entertainment out there. So look out for your little sisters. Um, it's a dangerous world out there. And that's all we have time for. Thank you. Thanks.